For KFSK, I'm Jordan Lewis, and welcome to Midday Magazine for Thursday, January 5th. Petersburg's Borough Assembly on Tuesday approved a $5.7 million contract for upgrades to the Blind Slough hydroelectric power plant. The winning bid for the contract was from MCG and Dawson Joint Venture. Utility Director Carl Hagerman recommended the bid, and the Assembly approved it unanimously. Other bids submitted were over $2 million more. The funds will cover removal of old equipment and installation of new equipment, and Hagerman says it will include inspection. In new business, the Assembly took a step toward raising rates at Mountain View Manor for self-pay residents. The ordinance, which was approved in its first reading, aims to raise rates for self-pay so that they match rates charged to Medicaid. Borough Manager Steve Giesbrecht says Medicaid rates go up every year, and the borough generally raises self-pay rates to match. So Medicaid raises it every year no matter what. And normally we follow that and we match the two. Uh, We cannot charge anybody more or less than what we charge Medicaid is what it amounts to. Medicaid doesn't want us to have people in there that where we're charging Medicaid more than what we are self-pay. This balances, gets it back to what there was before the pandemic. No one likes to see rate increases, but as we've all seen, costs go up, labor costs have gone up, equipment goes up. Giesbrecht says that the rates, that the, that rents would go up $300 a month and service rates would go up $600. If the ordinance passes two more times, self-pay rates would increase right away. In other business, Giesbrecht says the fire, that fire and EMS director Aaron Hankins will be restarting Petersburg LEPC or local emergency planning commission. The LEPC is our local planning group that's usually made up of folks like members from the Forest Service, the hospital, volunteer fire department, throughout the borough, and uh, police. And their job is to build up the plans and talk about disasters that could occur here in Petersburg and how would we respond for that. So it's, a, it's basically a coordination effort so that we all talk to each other and have a good idea of how what each other's capabilities are. The local group stopped meeting regularly when Sandy Dixon retired as fire and EMS director. Proposed board members for the commission will be brought to the assembly for approval. The fire department is also planning to add a component to Petersburg's response during emergencies that would incorporate ordinary residents. FEMA would provide the training for the community emergency response team. Hankin says in emergencies, residents often want to help, and this program will help them respond more effectively. The first informational session for that team is on Saturday, January 14th. An egg shortage has hit the nation, and Alaska is feeling it acutely. An outbreak of the avian flu in Washington state has drastically slowed egg shipments north. Many rural communities only have one or two grocery stores, so their options are even more limited. KDLG's Izzy Ross reports. On a recent snowy afternoon, Michael Yinks scans the dairy section at the Dillingham AC grocery store. I came here to look for eggs. Tomorrow is my birthday, and I was hoping to make some uh, banana cream pie, but it looks like we're going to be out of luck for a while. People across Alaska are running into egg shortages. Many are posting pictures of signs and empty shelves on social media. Even large grocery chains like Fred Meyer are limiting how many eggs people can buy. Rural areas are getting hit especially hard because many only have one or two grocery stores which leaves them with fewer options. 
and the shortages aren't expected to let up anytime soon. It's not good news uh, in any way. It's really farm dependent. Kyle Hill is the president of the Alaska Commercial Company, or AC, which has 35 stores in the state and calls itself the largest retailer in rural Alaska. It gets most of its eggs from Washington State, and one of those providers, Oakdale Farms, was recently hit by the avian flu. They've had to unfortunately deal with over a million birds that have had avian flu in that farm. So um, there's huge supply issues in the sense that we're struggling to get any eggs at all. When they can get eggs, it's just a trickle. Hill says AC is trying to let its suppliers know that rural communities don't have a lot of options when it comes to groceries. If AC doesn't have eggs, that means an entire community might not have eggs. And that's a food security issue. But Hill says it's tough because they're competing with large national chains. They are trying to leverage their national scale and their um, national distribution to get eggs from elsewhere. But, you know, when it comes down to it, there's only so many eggs out there. Hill says pressuring suppliers only goes so far. It's a supply and demand issue, and all retailers are pushing their suppliers. It is a fight because every retailer is making their case to the same suppliers. And then this isn't even just a specific Northwest issue. Down in Texas over the holidays, a friend said that they saw eggs at $9 a dozen because they have a farm down there that's having avian flu issues. So it's really farm dependent. Those prices aren't going to be any cheaper in rural Alaska. And when supplies run low, costs go up. At the front of the store, Sarah Nanaluk waits for fellow shoppers. She and several others traveled about 30 miles over the tundra on snow machines from their hometown of Manakotuk to Dillingham to go shopping. We only have uh, one small trading store, which is owned by Manakotuk Native Limited. There's no other store. Nanaluk says the price of eggs has skyrocketed. So for Christmas, I had to buy two dozen for almost, I mean, almost $20. Another option is home-raised eggs. Alicia Swan peruses the dairy aisle, but not for eggs. That's because she and her family own chickens. Out of 17 birds, we're averaging anywhere from six to nine eggs a day. That's pretty good. But it's not easy to keep chickens in rural Alaska, especially in the winter when chickens tend to produce fewer eggs. It can be complicated getting feed here, especially during the winter. You have to continually give them water because it freezes, keep them warm. So yeah, we give them extra light to keep them laying eggs. They kind of have a vacation during the winter. (laughs) And what about Michael Yingst and his birthday banana cream pie? He's trying to come up with a new plan researching egg substitutes and see if there's anything else I can use as a replacement for eggs, but they're uh, kind of irreplaceable when it comes to a lot of things, so hopefully we'll figure that out. Dillingham's other grocery store, Bigfoot, is also out, but hopes to get an egg delivery next week. Meanwhile, AC expects a shipment to stores throughout the state by the end of next week, but it anticipates the shortage will last for at least a couple months. In Dillingham, I'm Izzy Ross. A shakeup could be coming to Ketchikan's waterfront. City officials are considering a change to the way tour operators and food vendors compete for space on the city-owned cruise ship docks. As it stands, vendors bid for a spot, but Ketchikan City Council is scheduled to vote today on a plan to move a lottery system.
As KRBD's Eric Stone reports, officials say it's an effort to allow newer and smaller businesses to capitalize on publicly owned infrastructure. When passengers walk off cruise ships in downtown Ketchikan, among the crowds and buses are six small booths bearing the names of various tour companies. Two more sell food, fish and chips and the like. Every three years, the city holds an auction for those booths. Vendors list the maximum price they're willing to pay in a sealed bid auction, and the top bidders get the chance to hawk their tours to disembarking tourists on Ketchikan's cruise ship docks. This past year, the program brought in roughly $370,000 in rent for the city's port fund. But it's not meant to be a significant revenue stream for the city, according to Ketchikan's Port and Harbors director, Daryl Verfai, who joined the city staff last year. Instead, it's supposed to give businesses an opportunity to capitalize on the city's publicly owned port infrastructure. But those opportunities have been limited to a select few tour operators. Over the past 10 years, Verfai says essentially the same six vendors have been the top bidders for dock leases. He says some of those operators have held leases since 2004. And he says the system provides essentially the same service to the companies at vastly different costs. In some cases, the top bidder paid nearly $40,000 more than the lowest successful bidder over the course of a season. Making things worse, the Port and Harbors director says the system appears to be unfair. Though he doesn't name names, Verfai says the disparities were exacerbated by, quote, the appearance of collusionary practices among some past leaseholders that have the potential to secure an advantage over other bidders, end quote. So he's proposing what he calls a hard reset of the program to allow small businesses a fairer shot at the leases. It would be a lottery. Essentially, anyone who wants to sell tours or food on the docks would submit an application, and they'd be drawn at random to determine who gets a spot. The cost of the lease would be up to the city council, and the specifics of the lottery would be up to the city manager. But the proposal is likely to face pushback from existing vendors. John Maloof of Ketchikan Duck Tour and Alaska Hummer Adventures says he's not convinced the system actually is excluding businesses. Last time we had six bidders. There were six booths. If there were some kind of 24 bidders and six booths, maybe there'd be some ground stand on there. But the year before that, we had seven bidders out of six booths. So I think there's opportunity for people to get in if they want to bid. Steve McDonald of Dolly's Enterprises called the plan ridiculous, bizarre, and asinine. He didn't want to be recorded, but he said that businesses that run dock booths have invested heavily in their operations, and they could face an uncertain future if the council adopts a lottery system. He estimated the city's existing dock vendors employ roughly 300 people. Reporting in Ketchikan, I'm Eric Stone. Ketchikan City Council is scheduled to consider the changes at its next meeting at 7 p.m. tonight. Members of the public have a chance to comment at the beginning of the meeting. It's live-streamed at the city's website and broadcast on local cable channels. The Juneau School District has around 100 fewer kindergartners this year than it expected. Data published by the state last month shows the total number of young students in Juneau and all of Alaska will continue to go down. State dem- demographer David Howell says the fertility rate in Alaska has been declining for several years. Around 2010, we were at 2.3 children per woman. And so this is enough to, more than enough to replace the existing population. Um, and now we've fallen in Alaska to 1.9 children per woman, which is obviously not enough to replace the existing population. And Juneau has had a lower fertility rate in the state as a whole for a long time. He says there are many possible reasons behind the decline. In Juneau and other southeast communities, a lack of affordable child care may cause young couples to decide against having children. Fewer young people moving to the state might also contribute to a lower number of births. 
He says it's too early to tell whether this overall decline is starting to level off in Alaska. But as far as like the school-age kindergarten population, it's going to go down going forward just surely based on the number of births we've had the last you know five years. Casey Olin is the district's administrative services director. She hopes declining enrollment motivates the state legislature to increase public education funding. The base student allocation, the money of uh, the amount of money per student council, student school districts receives from the state has increased substantially in years. If we don't have the adequate funding, our numbers in enrollment will continue to decline because families are going to be the state of Alaska to find education that they are getting She says the district may have to consider closing or consolidating schools if the downward trend continues. Enrollment projections for the 2023-2024 school year are underway and will be part of the school board's budget discussions this month. For KFSK, I'm Jordan Lewis.